0: Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Love you. I'm always so excited for the next generation of Pentecost when I come here. I mean it. This generation that's sitting before me today is carrying the torch of Pentecost. I taught this morning in one of our classes. Wonderful students. Was anybody in here that was in that class this morning? Let me tell you something. I was so encouraged and so filled with emotion when I left that class to see the hunger, the hunger that these students have after God. Let me tell you something. God doesn't move because of a generation He moves because he's faithful. God's with this generation. God's with this generation. God's with that generation. God's with this generation. Amen? He moves because he's faithful. Amen? Not because of a generation. Amen. Thank you, Mr. President, for the opportunity of serving as mowing chair. As I told you last time, I think, I told somebody that I was coming up here to be the mowing chair. And they wondered if I'd got into lawn service. <laughs> but I thank you for the opportunity to be that. Love his wife Karen so very. Don't we love President and Karen so much? So glad to have my friends with me today, Doctor Phil and Jolene, and Doctor Dimbo and Sister Dar. So glad you came today. We love you both. And thank you so much for being here. Amen. Thank all of you all for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for responding. Then let me thank one special person in my heart today that's here. Who is that special person? Dr. Alan Tennyson. Do you realize he couldn't imagine life without me? I love him, Amen. I appreciate him so very, very much. As he always says to me, now, Mom, don't hear from Yahoo, hear from Yahweh. <laughs> so today we've heard from Yahweh, Amen. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians four, verses seven through ten, very familiar portion of Scripture. Paul says, "But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power of God may be of us." Not of us, but in him. We're troubled on every side, yet not in distress. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, the life also of Christ, might be made manifest in our bodies. Amen? Son, stand and ask God to anoint me, please. do what you put on our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I want to minister to you this morning very quickly. I'm going to preach fast. You listen quick. If you get through before I do, stay with me. I'm hoping we will get through it at the same time. The treasure in a clay jar. I'm going to tell you four things this morning. I'm going to tell you what the treasure is. I am going to tell you what houses the treasure. I am going to tell you what the treasure reveals, and I am going to tell you what the treasure will accomplish. What is the treasure? It is the light of the knowledge that the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is dwelling within us. It is the light of the knowledge that the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is dwelling within us. You see, people want to see the gospel as well as hear it. What houses the treasure? Earthen vessels. What is an earthen vessel? You're looking at it. Dirt. Every morning I get up and I comb my dirt. I dress my dirt. I feed my dirt. Should the Lord Terry going to buy dirt to put my dirt in one day. Amen. But it's simply dirt. God has placed a treasure in this weak earthen vessels. Now let me tell you something. The contents should always change the vessel. The contents should always change the vessel. I like Sprite. I don't care if it's in a jar, if it's in a glass, if it's in a can, if it's in a bottle. I don't care about the vessel. What I care about is what's in the vessel. Amen? So the contents should always change the vessel. Number three. I'm going to deal on number four longer than any. Number three. What does the treasure reveal? It's his power and not mine. I may be beaten, but I'm never defeated. Why? I have a treasure in this clay jar. I may lose a battle or two, but I never lose the war. Why? I have a treasure in this clay jar. His power and not mine. When I was in the third grade one time, I'm sure my teacher was happy only one time. As I told you before, I think I was a hyperactive child. But I was in the third grade. My mother and dad bought me a pair of Ivy League shoes. Now, you have to be about my age to know what they are. They're Saddle Oxfords, and they have a strap with a buckle on them across the heel. I was always small for my age until now. Somebody said to me one day, you've gained weight, haven't you? I said, yes. only weighed six pounds and ten ounces when I was born. (laughs) Thank God I've gained weight. (laughs) Two girls. Now, when I started to school, my mother said to my elder brother, son, keep an eye on your sister. You never know what she's going to do, so watch out after your sister. So my brother kindly kept an eye on me. Two girls met me in the hall one day, larger than me. Said, we like those shoes, we're gonna take them off of you. What do you think about that? I stood there trembling in my shoes until out of the corner of my eye, I saw my elder brother and two of his buddies headed my way. When I saw him coming, I straightened up and said, do it if you think you're big enough. It wasn't my power I was trusting in. It was the power of an elder brother. Are you hearing me? That's headed my way. When my elder brother got there, he laid his hand upon one of those girls and he said, What's going on here? She said, Not a thing. He said, There better not be. That's my little sister. And any time you think you're going to pick on her, I'll always be around. They said, Yes, sir. Marched off. And I went, "Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. The word says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the elder brother shall lift up a standard against him. It's not my power, it's his power, amen, that's working in my life. It's the spirit of an elder brother. So that's what the treasure reveals. What? Now, let's deal with the last point for a while. What will the treasure accomplish? Paul says, I'm troubled. That word trouble simply means I'm crowded with the cares of life, family problems, financial problems, spiritual problems, health problems. I'm crowded. But he doesn't go on to say, but he goes on to say, I may be crowded, but I'm not in distress. That simply means I'm not crushed. Yeah. I may be crowded but I'm not crushed. Why? I've got a treasure in this clay jar that's greater than anything that's going on on the outside of me. Amen? I have a treasure in this clay jar. You know uh, what keeps a submarine up and going? is because the pressure on the inside equals the pressure on the outside. You know what keeps us up and going? He that's within me is greater than the pressures that's on the outside of me. Amen? Hallelujah. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. I may have told you this before, but I'm going to remind you of this. You know what it means to be more than a conqueror? I'm going to tell you. How many ever heard of the boxer Muhammad Ali, his Clay? Another big mouth from the state of Kentucky. <laughs> He says to his wife, If I win this fight, you get the purse. The purse is a million dollars. He's a conqueror. She's more than a conqueror. <laughs> One day at Calvary, we won. Jesus conquered. But we get the benefits of what he conquered for, and that makes us more than conquerors through him that loved us to the pulling down of strongholds. How many knows those winners always get excited? Always. Winners get excited. I am a Kentucky Wildcat fan. They didn't do much this year, but I'm still their fan. Who won last night? Kansas? Okay. You see, I wasn't nearly as excited. (laughs) I love Kentucky Wildcats. 2012, they won the NCAA. When they hit that winning basket, I beat the TV, I beat my husband, I beat the floor. (laughs) My husband wasn't nearly as excited. He's from the state of Texas. I spent a week in Texas one night. (laughs) 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 My team had won. There was not a fan in Lexington, Kentucky that went, oh, we won. Isn't that nice? (laughs) They got excited. You know what? The next day, all the energy I spent over little old round pigskin didn't change my life. But one day at Calvary we won. And winners get excited. Do I have any winners in this section? Do I have any in this section? Do I have any winners in this section? Do I have any winners in, any winners in the balcony? Wow, winners get excited. We're more than conquerors. Go him but why? We have a treasure in this clay jar. Amen. We have a treasure in this clay jar. So that's why we can say, God, this treasure, here's what it will accomplish. My husband, bless his heart, came from the state of Texas to the state of Kentucky to preach revivals. In the year of 1968, it was a very severe winter in the state of Kentucky. So all revivals were canceled because of the weather. He's a 1,000 miles from home, has nowhere to go, and a kind pastor friend took him in. He was very depressed. I'm sure he didn't have a depressing day after he met me. I tried to make it so. <laughs> this kind pastor friend said to him one day, Brother Tennyson, I'm going to Louisville, Kentucky, to a minister's institute. Now, you younger generation will not know this name. You that are my age will remember. Dr. C.M. Ward is preaching the institute. Well, you're not my age, but you still know. Yeah, okay. Okay. Dr. C.M. Ward is preaching, the Institute, very well-known minister in our fellowship. So as they go into the auditorium, the enemy's telling my husband, God's through with you. He's not going to use you anymore. Doors are closed. He's through with you. They walk into the auditorium. Dr. Ward is already speaking. And he stops. And he said, the Holy Spirit has just prompted me to say this. There's somebody in here today, the enemy has told you, God is through with you. He's not going to use you anymore. But he said, the Lord just spoke to my heart to tell you, God is still going to use you. Young man, I don't know who you are. But he's going to use you to lead a church through the most terrific tragedy a church has ever had. Do you think he heard from God? Yes, he heard from God. And the Lord said to my husband, that's you, young man. I'm going to use you. Folks, he may have been troubled. He may have been crowded, but he wasn't crushed. Why? Because he has a treasure in this clay jar that is greater. Whoa! Shout a little bit now, church, than anything that's going on around you. Then Paul goes on to say, I may be crowded, but I'm not crushed. He goes on to say, I may be perplexed. But I'm not in despair. Perplexion simply means this. I'm in prison to my situation. There's no way to turn. Joseph felt that way, or Jacob, felt that way when the sons came back and said to him, Dad, we got good news and we got bad news. We got the food. But they kept Simeon, a brother. And if we go back, we have to bring Benjamin. Jacob made this statement. Simeon is no more. Joseph is no more. And now they want to take Benjamin from me. All these things are against me. Why did he say that? He had the facts. But he didn't know the truth. Let me give you an example. I say Pastor or President Hagen owns a Mercedes. That's not a word of knowledge or anything. Just an example. Why do I say that? I saw him driving one. What I don't know is he borrowed it from Doctor Phil. That's not a word of knowledge for you. Either. If either of you get a Mercedes, I did not hear from God. Okay. What am I doing? I'm trying to tell you a truth on a fact I saw. Or how many's following me? See, I I saw the facts. Well, because I saw the facts, I take it as the truth. President Hagen doesn't own a Mercedes. He's just driving one he's borrowed. See what happens here. Joseph is no more. Simon is no more. Now they want to take Benjamin from me. That's the facts. What's the truth? Joseph is doing well in Pharaoh's court. Joseph is taking care of his brother Simeon. Just wants to see his little brother Benjamin. Folks, we've got to get out of the fact business and say, God, I'm going to get a hold of the truth and I'm going to let the truth set me free once and for all. Amen. Let go of the facts. Doctors give you facts. Bankers give you facts. Attorneys give you facts. Friends give you facts. Families give you facts. But folks, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Hallelujah, God. Shall set you free say I'm out of the fact business and I'm going to get a hold of the truth and I'm going to let the truth set me free my husband and I first married we had okra the first year we married for breakfast lunch and dinner fried okra I love okra not that slick kind Somebody asked me one day if I like snails. I said, no, I like fast food. (laughs) They had a good crop of okra that year. So we had okra. One evening for the dinner meal, there was not any okra. There wasn't anything to fix it, meal, anything to fry it in. My husband was making calls, and he called me and said, Honey, what are we having for dinner? And I said, I don't know yet, because I did not want to tell him. We didn't have anything. When he hung up, I got out and I said, God, you promised to supply our need. Your word doesn't lie. God, I'm standing on your word. I want there's some food on this table before my husband gets home. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Set the table as pretty as you've ever set it. I used to work for general telephone companies. I told you before. They're the only people that pay me to talk eight hours a day. I thank you, I told you before I worked for an orange juice company and they canned me. Said I couldn't concentrate. Put the squeeze on me. He's a little sorry about it too. <laughs> My mother had given me her crystal and her silver. So I put the china, the crystal, and the silver on the table. Just as I finished and put a candle, just as I'd finished sitting at the table, the phone rang. Young man in our church was not able to work, but he was able to stay home and do the housework and cook. He called me and he said, Sister Tennyson, what are you having for dinner? I said, I don't know yet, buddy. And he said, well, don't fix anything. Well, I wasn't rushing into anything. <laughs> 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 he said, I've just baked a turkey and dressing, mashed potatoes, green beans, corn on the cob, cranberry salad, pumpkin pie, homemade bread, iced tea, and I'm on my way. Woo. I hung that phone at Dr. Dimbo, and I had me a Pentecostal spell. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. All over that house, I had me a Pentecostal spell. Hallelujah, God. How many knows what a Pentecostal spell is? Amen. How long has it been since you had one? Hallelujah, God. All over that house, I got so excited. When my husband came home and found all that food, he said, Where did this come from? He knew we didn't have that kind of money. I said, The ravens have been here today. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. What am I saying, folks? We may feel like we're imprisoned, our situation. But Paul goes on to say, I'm perplexed, but he said, I'm not in despair. That simply means I'm not without hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I'm not without hope. He is still with me. Amen? Let's go on. Then he says, because of this treasure, he said, I'm persecuted. That means there's somebody that pursues me day and night. That's the enemy of our soul, pursuing us day and night. He said, I may be persecuted, but he said, I'm not forsaken. That simply means I have not been abandoned Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Not been abandoned. Somebody has requested I tell a testimony I've told before. So do you mind hearing a rerun? All right. How many remembers me telling you the story, the 16 red roses? Okay, we're going to tell it. If If you've heard it, you may zone out and I'll tell you when to zone back in. We suffered a terrible tragedy, pastor in the Radcliffe First Assembly, where we lost 27 precious people. Many of you have heard the story on the church bus. Dr. Tennyson was on the bus, got off just a few minutes before it exploded. We lost our youth pastor, our associate pastor, and our youth choir director. Our youth choir director's husband was an only child. His parents were only children. And the day we had to tell him about his family, he said to my husband, Pastor, I'm an only child. My parents were only children. My mother died six months ago. My father was killed in the Korean War. And he said, I do not have a mother or father, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, or cousin, and now I don't have a wife or any daughters. I'm alone in this world. God has given him a ministry to men and to families. March the 4th, 1990, he was to be in North Carolina to do a service. He said, I looked at my calendar on the second and thought, I don't want to go to North Carolina. The fourth would have been his oldest daughter's 16th birthday. He said, I promised my oldest daughter, when she got to be 16, I was going to take her out to lunch, give her 16 red roses. It's going to be our day. He said, I wanted to go to Poplar Bluff, Missouri, lay 16 red roses on a grave, wrap my arms around the coal monument, and cry my eyes out. He said, I tried to call to cancel the engagement. There was no answer. Saturday morning, he was praying. And he said, I said, God, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said, I want you to go to North Carolina. I want you to wire 16 red roses to that church where you're going. I want you to be on your plane this afternoon. And he said, I said, why, God? God said two words to him, trust me. What did I tell you before when I was here? The reason we don't trust God anymore than we do, we only trust people We know. The more I fellowship God, the more I know God. The more I know God, the more I'm going to trust God. He got up from where he was praying, wired 16 red roses at church. Pastor picked him up at the airport, said, Lee, we received 16 red roses for the church today. What are they for? He said, I don't know. Just trust God and trust me. He said he got up to minister and he said, Folks, the Lord has just spoken to me. Today, I'm going to give these roses to Missy. Young lady came in, said on the front pew, I'm going to give her to him, her. He said, I said, Missy, come up here, honey. You're going to be my daughter today. I'm going to give you these roses, take you in the youth group out to lunch. Said the whole church broke down weeping. After the service, Missy said to him, Mr. Williams, you don't know me. And he didn't. She said, three years ago, my mother dropped me off on the streets of Jacksonville, Florida. Never returned for me. I don't know who my father is. Never met him. Three months ago, a lady evangelist from the Assemblies of God picked me up off the streets of Jacksonville, Florida. Brought me to Teen Challenge here in North Carolina. I started attending this church. Gave my heart to the Lord. Mr. Williams, I awakened today to the truth. Today is my 16th birthday. And she said, I said, God, I don't know where my mother is. I don't know who my father is. No one cares that I'm 16 today. Jesus, if you're who they say you are, and if you love me like they say you do, every young lady would like to have 16 red roses for her birthday. When I go to church today, let someone give me 16 red roses. Mr. Williams, you've made the love of Jesus Christ so real unto me. What happened? He said, you're not abandoned. God took the hurting heart of a man in the state of Kentucky, sent him to the state of North Carolina to let a 16-year-old girl know I'm who they say that I am, and I love you like they say that I do. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. She wasn't abandoned. Let's finish up. Then Paul says, I'm cast down, which means somebody takes me and slams me to the ground. But he said, I'm not destroyed. What's that mean? That means the structure has not been demolished. Have you ever seen somebody build a building, they get a window in crooked? They don't tear down the whole structure to straighten up the window. When the enemy may slam you to the ground, he may knock a window out of line, but the structure has not been destroyed. Just let him straighten up the window and go your way. Why? Because we have a treasure in this clay jar. Let me end by saying this church We don't need a title We need a testimony Pharaoh had a title But Moses had a testimony Jezebel had a title But Elijah had a testimony Pilate had a title But Jesus had a testimony Goliath had a title But David had a testimony Oh Herod had a title But John the Baptist had a testimony King Agrippa had a title, but Paul had a testimony. We don't need a title. We need a testimony that there is a treasure that's alive in this clay jar. Amen? Not a title, but a testimony. Oh, folks, in our churches, there's a sign that says First Assembly, Second Assembly, Victory Assembly, whatever assembly. There's a sign out front that's a title. But when folks get inside that building, they need to see some testimony sitting in these pews. That there's some treasures that's alive in this clay jar. I'm going to finish up, I promise, with this testimony. I want to make the rapture. (laughs) Pastor friend of mine said, let me water these teeth. They are my teeth because I have the receipt for them. (laughs) Pastor friend of mine many years ago said I was pastoring in a small town, small church. One Sunday morning, lady came up to me and said, pastor, there's a lady outside of town that's 25 years old dying with cancer. Her husband has left her. He can't take the pressure. She has a five-year-old son And a three-year-old daughter. Would you go have prayer with her? And he said, I will. Monday morning, he said, I made my way outside of town to a little home. Knocked on the door. A little five-year-old boy came to the door. Trying to take care of his mother, himself, and his sister. Came to the door. When he opened the door, he looked up at the pastor. And here's what he said. Sir, are you the man from God? He said, I didn't have the heart to give him my title. My title as pastor, as preacher, wasn't going to do him a bit of good. And he said, I looked at the little boy and he said, I said, son, I'm the man from God. The little boy began to cry and he said, sir, please come in. My mother's friend said, when the man from God gets here, everything's going to change. I want that to sink in a minute. He said, I walked into that room, laid my hands upon that mother, so gravely ill. And said, I said, God, if you ever made yourself real as healer, do it today. This little boy is expecting something from you. He said, when I prayed for that mother, God instantly healed that mother, that day." He said they started attending the church, was there 15 years later when he went into another place of ministry. But he said, down through the years, the words of a five-year-old boy has resonated in my spirit. Sir, are you the man from God? When the man from God gets here, everything's going to change. Are we the people from God? Do we just have a title... Or do we have a testimony that the treasure is alive within us? Does it make a difference when we arrive on the scene? Not because of us, but because of the one that's alive within us. Do I just have a title or do I have a testimony that the treasure is alive in this clay jar? For just a moment, let's bow our heads for just a moment, please. Let me ask you. Is there any in the building that would lift a hand and say, I do not even know Jesus as my Savior. I just want to check to be sure. All right, along with me, how many would lift a hand and say, I want that treasure more alive in me than it's ever been? Can I see your hand today? How many would lift a hand and say, I don't want just a title, I want a testimony? I want a testimony make me a man or a woman from God that when I arrive on the scene something changes I want that treasure alive if that's your heart's desire today I want you to stand all over the building lift me up here I want you to stand and say, search my heart today, God. Does it make a difference when I arrive on the scene? Does anything change? Do I have just a title or do I have a testimony? that the power of God is alive within me. All over the building, I want us to lift our hands today and say, bring alive in me. Come on. Bring alive in me today. Bring alive in me today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Whoa, bring that treasure alive in my heart today, greater than it's ever been. I don't want to have just a title, but I want a testimony. I want to be a man or a woman from God, and they will know that I've been with Jesus, out to Him today, church. The students cry out to Him. Oh, say, have my life. Fill my life with this treasure. That when I step on the scene, not because of me, but because of the treasure that's alive in me, things begin to change in my life. I don't have just a title, but I've got a testimony. I'm a man or a woman from God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's sing it together. And it told my love. But I long to rise. But I long to rise. In the arms of faith. And be closer. Drawn to thee. Sing it today. See if you know it. Oh God. Oh God, I love you, Jesus. Draw me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. Consecrate me. Do it today. Do it today, God. Of grace divine. Let my soul look up. Let my soul look up. With a steadfast hope. And my will be lost in thine. Oh, yes, God, sing it. Oh, hallelujah, God. To the cross. Draw me near, please. Oh, God, not a title, but a testimony. Here's the secret of it. All oh, the single hour. Ooh, what is that verse? verse Before Thy throne I spin. When I kneel in prayer, and with Thee, my God, I commune. Friend with friend, amen. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord. To thy precious bleeding side. Hallelujah. Go today saying, God, I don't want just a title. I want a testimony. God, I want to be a man or a woman from God. When I step on the scene, things will change. Mr. President, thank you.